Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So when King Solomon says, I returned and considered, really when he says he returned and considered, he beheld the tears. See, I returned and considered all the impressions done under the sun and behold the tears so that's when he returned and considers he beheld the tears. And with his return and his consideration is when Solomon said twice, they had no comforter. They had no comforter. See, when Solomon took the second look, it was when he says, I returned and considered, is when Solomon saw on the side of their oppressors, there was power. There was power. And when we take the second look of the, so I returned and considered, that's when we're going to make the awful discovery about the law, our lost friends. As we're going to look at it, we're going to say, you know, this lost person has no Holy Spirit to comfort him. He has no Holy Spirit to comfort him. He has no Bible to guide him. He has no Lord Jesus Christ to save him, to cleanse him from his sins. All he's got is the devil with power to oppress him. And that's what Solomon saw. And by the way, my friendship with that man in Japan it's grown through the years, and um, we exchange correspondence, you know, throughout the years. And when Cheryl and I visited Japan, his wife uh, took the whole day and took us on a train from Tokyo down to Kyoto, where she was raised in Kyoto, and spent the day with us. We have a meaning relationship. They're now in a rest home, and I continue to correspond with them. I've sent him my testimony DVD. I've sent him books in Japanese. I ask you to please pray for them. But it was the sadness in Joseph that he saw in these two men that drove him into this kind of an eagerness. You get this eagerness coming out of Joseph. He wants to help them. He's so enthusiastic. It's actually kind of contagious. I'm sure those prisoners thought, why is he so enthusiastic? Why is he so confident? But it gave these prisoners a confidence to tell them with these troubling dreams that they had. So what... We can further see Joseph's enthusiastic spirit when we look in verse 8, and he says, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray thee. He's really jumping in when he says, I pray thee, I pray you. You know, it shows a strong eagerness. Now, we can see how Joseph helped them when he said in verse 8, Do not interpretations belong to God. So, in the Egyptian culture, it was very superstitious. It was mysterious. I mean, it was, this is what Egyptian culture was. It's kind of hard to explain, but the less an Egyptian understood about something, the more importance he put on it. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, for Egypt, nighttime was very, very important. It was a very important thing. For example, the owl in Egyptian, the owl among the idols, 
the Egyptian, the symbols, the owl is very important to them. And dreams really bothered the Egyptians because they put so much emphasis on what, what happens at night. And, and so they had these people that made the, a business of interpreting dreams. And that's what these men made them so sad because there was no interpreter, you know. And so Joseph saw these men were just, you're going in the wrong direction. You know, they said, why well, he said, well, we had a dream, but there's no interpreter. And Joseph says, that's the wrong way. You know, we had a dream. We're looking for an interpreter. There's no interpreter. And in the last chapter, see, they said there's no interpreter. That means there's no interpreter with us. But in the last chapter, we saw emphasized that the Lord was with Joseph. So the Lord had the interpreter. And so Joseph had had dreams, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he gave to Joseph the interpretation. But these men had dreams, and the difference is, is where they looked, where they looked for their interpretation. Both these men and Joseph were prisoners. They were both prisoners. They both had dreams, these men and the prisoners. And Joseph had dreams. But the difference is that these men looked for an interpreter and Joseph looked to God. And as believers, we face the same problems as unbelievers. Unbelievers lose their jobs. Believers lose their jobs. Unbelievers have family problems. Believers have family problems. Unbelievers get sick and believers get sick. The flu finds unbelievers and the flu finds believers. Unbelievers get cancer and believers get cancer. We face the same troubles in life. We have the same problems. But the difference is, is where we look for comfort, for direction. Those men were Joseph. They were prisoners. Joseph was a prisoner. They had dreams. Joseph had dreams. But the difference is, those men were looking for an Egyptian interpreter to help them understand, whereas Joseph, with his dreams, he looked to God to help him understand. And what's the unbeliever's sources of help today? What is it? Alcohol, movies, TV, parties, yoga, transcendental meditation, whatever. What's the Christian's source of help for trouble in life? Prayer, Bible study, Bible meditation, hymns, church. So when those men said there's no believer, they were saying interpretations belong to interpreters. Sorry, when those men said there was no interpreter, they were saying interpretations belong to interpreters. But when Joseph said, do not interpretations believe to God, Joseph was redirecting those men away from where they normally found help or tried to find help to God. And that's our ministry to the lost world to redirect souls to find help in God. Our message is always, you need God. You need God. And we can see that when Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God, Joseph was redirecting them. And there was, there was also another redirection in that, what Joseph said, because he said, when he said, interpretations belong to God. Let me ask you, who did those prisoners see giving them the interpretations for their dreams. They saw Joseph. They saw Joseph. So they would have naturally said, no, interpretations belong to Joseph. We see Joseph interpreting our dreams, so clearly interpretations belong to Joseph, not God. And Joseph knew that, that there was a great danger of those men to make a big deal over Joseph. And that's a problem for any Christian 
who helps another person. The danger is that a big deal is going to be made over that person, over that Christian, and not over God. And so Joseph sees that problem. In order to avoid it, he makes this very strong and definite statement right off the bat. And he said, I'm not going to allow you to promote me. I'm not going to promote. I'm not going to be promoted. You know, I'm not going to allow myself to be exalted. So he says, do not interpretations belong to God. He's saying that he was not preaching himself. Joseph was preaching God. Just as it says in Psalm 115, verse 1, where it says, Not unto us, O God, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. And then Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So this happens with Peter and Cornelius. So Peter comes in, Cornelius, God says Peter's going to come to Cornelius. Cornelius sees him coming in. It's all recorded for us in Acts 10.25. Acts 10.25, as Peter is coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, and worshipped him. <laughs> Cornelius worships Peter. But Peter took him up saying, stand up, I myself also am a man. He just didn't know Peter. <laughs> Later he got, no, I'm just kidding. But when, <laughs> but when Joseph met Pharaoh, really when Pharaoh met Joseph, he told Joseph that, I heard you can interpret dreams. But Joseph, right off the bat, he corrects the king. Wow. And Joseph said that in Genesis 41, 15. Genesis 41, 15. See, Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it, but I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. See, he's really putting him up on a pedestal. Joseph answered Pharaoh, say, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So when Pharaoh told Joseph that, that, that Joseph could interpret the dream, Joseph didn't say, well, as a matter of fact, Pharaoh, <laughs> I have had a little experience along my way interpreting dreams. I'm actually pretty good at it if I don't do say so myself to my everlasting humble glory. <laughs> you know, but when, he didn't say that. <laughs> but when Joseph did interpret Pharaoh's dream, Pharaoh showed he understood what Joseph was saying. Because in Genesis 41, 38, Genesis 41, 38, it says, and Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the spirit of God is. Oh, he's got the message. He's an earthen vessel. He's a temple. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Joseph was a success because instead of Pharaoh saying, how great are Joseph, right? Pharaoh said, how great is God who lived inside of Joseph? And Pharaoh did not end up saying, can we find a man as wise as Joseph? He didn't say, can we find a man with such magnificent administrative skills as Joseph? He didn't say, can we find a man who's better looking than Joseph? No, he didn't say any of that. Pharaoh said, can we find a man and find a person in whom the Spirit of God is. And if you and I want to be successful in our witness, people will not say, people should never say how great you are. 
how great I am. They should only say how great God is. And so for Joseph, it was channels only. Emptied that thou shouldst fill me, a clean vessel in thy hand, with no power but as thou givest graciously with each command. Channels only, blessed master, but with all thy wondrous power flowing through us, thou canst use us every day, every hour. So Joseph says in verse eight, do not interpretations belong to God. And when he said that, God said, boy, I mean, I can just imagine God saying to his angels, did you hear that? I found my man. I found the person I've been looking for. Because God said he looks for this type of person in 2 Chronicles 16.9. 2 Chronicles 16.9, God said, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. You know, this is, I call this verse God's eye strain. You know, because he says his eyes are running to and fro across the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. He says his heart is perfect toward them. That's a, that's a really interesting Hebrew word. It's shalem, not to be confused with shalom, which actually comes from the same root, but nevertheless, but okay. Shalem, which means complete, complete, and really to have peace is to be complete. And so this word that God uses here, shalem, meaning complete, you find, you know, he's looking for someone whose heart is complete toward him. It really goes back to Colossians 2.10. Because in Colossians 2.10, it explains to us, you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Complete in him. It's the him. Complete in thee, no work of mine, shall take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and I am now complete in thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought. And sanctified, salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardoned, bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. That's all about being complete in him. So this verse, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, about the eyes of the Lord running to and fro across the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is shalem, whose heart is perfect, complete toward him, is saying that God wants to entrust us more and more but he has to make sure that we don't steal his glory. You know, he wants to make us in charge of the cash machine. He just wants to make sure we put the cash in the cash machine and not in our pocket, all right? So that's what it is, not steal his glory. All right, so when we read about Pharaoh's words in Genesis 41, 38, can we find, a one, find such a one as this in whom the spirit of God is? I mean, you know, when we read something like that, that's a challenge to us, and let's just say within our hearts, you bet, you found your man, God, I'm the one. And for me, it's going to be Galatians 2.20. Galatians 2.20 is the man that's described here, where it says, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. Or as Paul put it, Paul was a great preacher. I mean, look what happened. But Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7, 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7, Paul put it this way. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, 
hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not in us. Now, we see how Joseph's eagerness here was used by God and it was contagious for the chief butler because in verse nine, the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said unto him, in my dream, behold, a vine was before me. So, you know, this, this, so, he's convinced. Joseph is convinced the chief butler. So the chief butler says, in my dream, in my dream, you can feel the excitement. Behold, the vine was before me. You know, the word behold really brings out the surprise of it all. Wow, the surprise of it all. And then he goes into the vine where there were, in verse 10, the vine, there were three branches. It was though it budded. He's just giving a description now. Can you see it, Joseph? It's like it budded and had blossoms shot forth, he says. And the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. Can you picture this person in this dream? He's sitting there, he said, the three branches are like coming out to him in 3D, you know? And he says, you know, that I see the buds and then I see the blossoms and then the grapes and oh. And he said, and Pharaoh's cup is in my hand and I take the grapes and I squeeze them and press them into Pharaoh's cup and then I give Pharaoh's cup to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's hand. Wow, that was quite a graphic dream that he had there. Now, he knew that the three branches were important and he just couldn't put it together, couldn't figure it out. And the number three was important because everybody knew that in three days was gonna be Pharaoh's birthday. And so the interpretation gets its anchor or its center on this three branch part, the three. And he says, okay, those are the three days. And Joseph realized, okay, this is what's gonna happen. He gives him the interpretation of verse 12 and he's centering it all in the three days. Joseph said unto him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thy head, restore it into thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand, the former manner as thou was his butler. That seems pretty easy. You could have done that, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, what's the big deal here? <laughs> it's always easy when you see the answer. Oh, why didn't I think about that? Anyway, so Joseph saw that this butler was going to be successfully serving Pharaoh again. So Joseph said, you're going to be restored. You know, to you know, lift up thine head was a phrase that was used that meant that he was going to bring him out of prison, going to bring him out of prison. So Joseph sees that, okay, I, you know, I gave him the interpretation. Now's my golden opportunity. Small favor, you know, small favor in return for interpreting this dream to you. I mean, Joseph knew, you know, in three days, my man <laughs> is gonna be standing daily in the presence of Pharaoh. He says, what an opportunity for me to get released from this prison. And he's so sure of his interpretation, Joseph, there's no question about it, his interpretation, that he now, he, he shifts into immediate pleading with this butler to just give, do some kindness in, in verse 14. But think on me when it shall be well with thee. Show kindness, I pray thee unto me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and bring me out of this house. See, these words really cut to our hearts when we realize this because we can feel Joseph's and he's asking the, the butler, he says, can you just think on me? You know, I'm like, get me out of this place. Show kindness. He says, I pray thee, just make mention of me. 
to Pharaoh so Pharaoh will bring me out of this prison here. So the butler agrees to help Joseph and Joseph gives to the butler. Okay, now here's what he says in verse 15. Indeed, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. Here also have I done nothing that they should put me into this dungeon here. So Joseph is telling the butler, look, I've got two injustices. I'm a victim of crime. <laughs> he said, I've got two injustices that were done to me. Joseph says, first of all, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And again, I'm not saying anything more about that. You know, Just leave it that I was unjustly kidnapped from my house. And the second injustice, he said, was that I've done nothing to deserve being in this prison. So again, here we see Joseph in both these. He's going to great lengths to not blame Potiphar's wife, not blame Potiphar, not blame his brothers for all of that. But what he's doing, what's he doing in verse 15? He's prepping the butler, right? He's prepping the butler, just like when we have depositions, which unfortunately we do. The lawyer preps us, right? We've got to go before the judge. The lawyer preps us. He's prepping the butler. The butler is going to be the lawyer, stand in front of Pharaoh. So we can see this hopeful expectation that has just risen up like a sunrise in Joseph's heart. And he's preparing the butler for his appeal. And he just, now look, I know what Pharaoh's gonna say first. Now you gotta get this down now. You know what it's gonna be? What's the issue? What's the issue? Okay, when he says, what's the issue? Then you say, bring me out of this house. I need to bring Joseph out of this house. Okay, the next question that Pharaoh's gonna have, is he said he's a Hebrew. What's he doing here in Egypt anyway? I don't get it. You know, he's the only Hebrew in Egypt. <laughs> How come we got the only Hebrew in Egypt trapped in our prison? Okay, so Joseph anticipates Pharaoh asking the butler, that, look, the man's not an Egyptian. The man's a Hebrew. So, so how did the Hebrew get from the land of the Hebrews or Canaan into Egypt? So Joseph carefully prepares the butler and he says, you tell him I indeed was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And again, you feel this, this hopeful expectation on Joseph's part. He's prepping this butler with these questions. Okay, third, Joseph is anticipating, he's thinking, you know, Pharaoh's gonna ask the next question. You know, what did he do? <laughs> you know, how did he end up in this terrible prison? What did he do wrong to deserve to be in this dungeon? So he preps him again. In verse 15, he says, here also have I done nothing that I should be put in this dungeon. So these are the big questions that Joseph is prepping the butler to be able to stand up and to make his appeal to Pharaoh. And I can imagine he probably practiced with him. So let's go over it one more time. We got three days, so, you know. <laughs> all right. And so now looking at all this through the butler's eyes, let's look at this through the butler's eyes. And we can imagine also, you know, the butler was saying, you know, I never knew this about you. I've always been curious about you, Joseph. You know, I mean, there's always been a couple things I've always wondered about. First of all, you're the only Hebrew in Egypt. And, you know, I mean, your Egyptian's not too bad. You can speak that pretty well. But I always wondered, how'd you get here anyway? How'd you get here? And second, second thing I noticed about you, Joseph, you know, you're really, I've, I've gotten to know you a little bit. You're, you're really good. You're a moral person. You're an honest person. What terrible thing did you do to end up here in the prison? So, you know, he answers all these questions and he says, well, I'll ask for your first question about how I ended up here. For indeed, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. So as for your second question as to what terrible thing that I did, nothing. I did nothing from verse 15. So from verses 14 and 15, we can feel this passion in Joseph. He's pleading for his release. And we can feel all this hopeful expectation that's just risen up in his heart. He thinks, this man is going to get Pharaoh to get me out of prison. Uh, 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.